hunger drives you in the direction of your appetite. Let me explain like this. Over the years, I've been privileged, blessed to go to many different weddings, uh, celebrating different weddings, couples getting together, and uh, there's some prep involved when you go to a wedding. I don't know about you, my prep usually involves timing out perfectly when I assume that we're going to eat. I don't know if it does. I do that, right? Like, you got to get your nice clothes and all that stuff. But, you know, you can't really eat, like, right before you go to the wedding because your clothes that you haven't worn in a while might be a little too tight. Or you can't just wait too long to eat because you'll get really hungry. I remember a few years ago, I was going to a wedding. And, uh, man, it, it was such a great wedding. But if I can be honest with you guys... It was too long for me. Like, it was a little lengthy. Like, I'm sitting in the ceremony, and they're doing every, like, you know, the the candle, the weaving of the things, and the the sand. I'm like, just hurry up and say I do. Like, I'm just, like, I'm hungry. I'm getting there, like, just just hurry up. Come on, just pray. Let's, Let's do it. Like, you know. And so finally they say their I do's, and they're out the door, and I'm like, everyone's cheering. And I'm like, yes, praise God, we're gonna eat. Like, that was just me. And uh, if you guys know anything about weddings, there's a crucial time when the the wedding ceremony ends to when the reception begins. It's a very crucial time. Like, I know you're mingling and all that stuff, and the wedding party is taking photos. But at this time, you're, like, counting down, like, when am I going to eat? When am I going to eat? Maybe it's just me. I don't know. And uh, I don't know, maybe that day or... I don't know if the wedding, like the wedding shoot, the photo shoot was not going well. Um, or maybe the sun was just like at that perfect moment. So every photo looked this, like perfect because the photos, that crucial time, took about an hour to an hour and a half. And I, again, I'm hungry. And so hour, hour and a half in waiting to eat and my, my vision started getting blurry. Anyone talking about my vision's blurry. I'm getting headaches. I became hangry. Anybody? Yeah. Like, I didn't even want to talk to anybody. People were like, hey, yo, what's up, man? I'm like, just don't even talk to me right now. Just, you know, I couldn't even smile. Hunger drives you in the direction of your appetite. Well, of course, the wedding photos get done. We go into the reception. I remember they're like, all right, we're going to start the reception. And I take off running. Like I just, like I run, find my seat. And I'm like, I'm first. I should be able to get first in line, right? Right? That's, that's how it works. And in a normal wedding ceremony or reception, normally you have the food, and then you have the toast, and then the dances. Well, my friends decided they just wanted to be unique and different and flip-flop the order. Like when we got in there, it was like not food. It was like, let's start off with like the best man toast. And I'm hungry. I'm getting irritated. I remember the best man just like making a joke and everybody's like, ha, ha, ha. And I was like, ha, 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 hurry up. (laughs) And then the maid of honor gets this 10-page essay of why she loves her friend so much. And I'm like rolling my eyes like, man, Jesus, take the wheel at this point. And then they do the dances, right? Butterfly kisses, right? And I was like, I could eat some butterflies right now. I'll just be honest. I could eat some right now. And so we do all this, and I'm hungry. I'm getting irritated. 
And the friends that I came with to, or, or met up at the wedding and sat at their table, these guys were seasoned pros. They were. Because I remember uh, my friend, he went into his pocket and he grabbed something and he slid it across the table. I was like, what is, what is going on? Is this a drug deal? Like, what is happening? And he opened it up and it was a Ziploc bag with goldfish. He brought some goldfish for his kids, and I was like, oh, yes, manna from heaven. And I just tore into those goldfish. I was like, yeah, butterfly kisses. You know, I'm like, I was just, and then it was so funny. Our, the adult food didn't come out, but there were some kids that were got invited, uh, you know, from the family. And, and so they brought, the servers brought the kids' food to them first. And I may have made my way to the kids who had chicken nuggets and fries, and I'm like, ah. You look a little fool. Let me take them off your plate. And I, I might have done that all because of hunger. Hunger drives you in the direction of your appetite. Today, as we continue our series, Grow Up, I want to ask this question to our church body. What are you hungry for? What is your appetite? Now, let me clarify. I'm not asking like, where, what restaurant you're going to go to after this service, okay? I'm not asking that. But what I've really been praying about over the last few weeks for our church is that in everything in your life, if you were to just gather everything, your time, your talent, your treasure, what is the thing that you most desire? Is it God or is it something else? Because here's the reality. Here's the reality. God can't fill an already full stomach. He can't fill and satisfy an already full stomach. He can't, he can't fill you if you've already uh, uh, fed off of something else, that you've already substituted him with something else. Like, I wonder why some, sometimes we go into church like, man, I didn't really experience God. Well, maybe because you were too full when you walked in. So the question is like, man, what are you hungry? Are, are you empty? Did you show up this morning empty, ready to receive? Or is this a check mark? They're saying, oh, I, I did my due diligence because here's the truth that I've seen about Christianity as our culture. That we sometimes have compartmentalized our hunger. That we only come hungry on Sundays for an hour, maybe an hour and a half. We only come hungry on small group night. And we compartmentalize our hunger. Like I didn't say this first service, but we were singing the song, God, I'm desperate for you. Many people had a hard time being desperate in worship in just a few minutes, uh, just, just a few moments ago. Because let me just tell you a truth. Desperation is not something that you can turn on and turn off. If you weren't desperate for God before you got here, you won't be desperate for God when you step in. So it's hard for us. To step into the presence desperate if we've already been filled. Or some people like to just only snack on God. Treat God as if he's a snack in our pantry. That he's available when we get a little bit of hunger. 
but I'm not going to feed a whole bunch on them. I'll make a little bit of time. We'll say, you know what? I'll spend time with God on my way to work, on that drive, or in the shower. As if he does not deserve and he's not worthy for just your full attention to sacrifice your time and your talent and your treasure. We compartmentalize. We even minimize. And I'll say this, and I say this with all humility. It's why the church, it's why Christianity today is so weak. It's because we don't have a daily desperation for God. That our desperation only comes through circumstance. And when something goes wrong, then it's like, God, I absolutely need you. Not, I need you. And when he, when then situations come in, then we can bank on him. See, the truth is, it's why Christianity and our lives look very similar to an outside world. And we don't look much different. Yeah, we might sing the song, we might dress a little, we might wear the Christian t-shirt, we might give it some time, but we don't look, unfortunately, as a whole different than an outside world. But our hunger for God should set us apart. It should set us apart that we look so different, that our appetite for him is unmatched. That when people see us, they don't say they're different because they dedicate an hour on a weekend for him. No, they're different because you can see their appetite is more for God than ever before. That they are set apart and holy. Here's the truth. Our hunger for God should bring division. What? I thought, it's supposed to be, we, I thought we were supposed to have unity. No, what I mean by this is our hunger for God should divide us from our selfishness. That your hunger for God should divide you from your sin. See, if you, if you want to get rid of sin, really it's to change your appetite for, for against sin and more for the things of God. That when you hunger and feast and, and are in, in, the, in the word and in his presence, you don't want those things. Our hunger for God should divide us. It should divide us from our preferences. Whew, I'm going to get people to mad at me on this one. That your hunger for God should not be dictated on who's leading worship. What song we're seeing, singing, when it shouldn't be dictated on who's preaching today. It shouldn't be dictated by whether the lights are of your liking, whether the, the, lo the loudness of the speakers is of what you prefer. It shouldn't be dictated by that, that when you step in here, it doesn't matter what things are happening. Your hunger for God goes after him and not all the things around us. It should divide us. It should separate us. Here's the truth. Hunger will happen, but you choose your appetite. You will be hungry for something, but you get to choose what it's for. You know, in, in, in your physical body, you have something. Uh, it's a hunger hormone. And it's literally in your body. It's designed for one purpose. Ready? To make your stomach growl. 
And some of y'all are like, yeah, I can feel it right now, right? But literally, there's a hunger hormone called ghrelin, G-H-R-E-L-I-N, that's only purpose is to disturb you, to interrupt you, to make you feel uncomfortable, to tell you, go eat. Like, no one has to tell you, be hungry, because there's something designed in you that tells you, be hungry. Well, here's what I'm praying, church, for us. I'm praying that we would have a spiritual greeling within us. That there will be something inside of us that bugs us, that bothers us if we are lacking anything. If we are lacking spiritual depth, spiritual hunger, I pray that it bothers us, that it wakes you up, that the only way it goes away is when you are fulfilled by being in the presence of the one true king. I'm praying for that, spirit, that, that spiritual greenland. This is why the, it's so important. The spiritual discipline of fasting is so important. The spiritual discipline of abstaining, of sacrificing so that you can have more of God is such an important thing. But can I be honest with you guys? The spiritual discipline of fasting has diminished within the church. And it's diminish within the body of Christ. And I think possibly it's because we don't really understand it and we don't value it. So I want to tell you real quickly what fasting is and what fasting isn't. First, fasting is a hungering for God. It's an invitation from him. It's an act of worship. It's humbling yourself before him for more of him. Fasting is meant to be difficult, not easy. That if you are fasting and it's pretty easy, then maybe that sacrifice is not really hitting the kingdom of heaven. It's supposed to be difficult. Fasting is not a trend, but it's a discipline. You discipline your body. It's not a, hey, we're in 21 days of fast, hashtag 21, let me post it. It's not a trend. Fasting is not a diet, but it's a dying to yourself. It's not seeing what you can get from God, but how much he can get of you. Fasting is not, is not a way to manipulate God. But rather, it's a way for you to humble yourself and say, God, and, and you listen to God and say, hey, what do you want? For me, fasting takes the battle out of your hands and puts it in his. Fasting takes that battle out of your hands and puts it in his. Fasting is not a one-time event. It's a lifestyle. It's not something you just do for a season. It's a discipline you do for a lifestyle. Let me put it really simple. Fasting is not about what you're giving up, but who you're making space for. It's not this legalism thing of what you're giving up but who you're making space for. Turn with me to John chapter 6. John is in the New Testament, and it's the gospel account of Jesus' life through the eyes of John. Now, leading up to this passage is the miracle of the 5,000. Uh, Jesus, you know, is spiritually feeding uh, these people by preaching to them, and then they're hungry, and so he multiplies loaves, and, and fished and feeds 5,000. Great miracle. I want to be in that miracle, right? 
food multiplying, praise God. But what happens here is important because they saw this miracle and they wanted more. They wanted more, so they sought after Jesus. And this is what it says in John 6, starting in verse 25. It says, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Let me pause right here. Let me give you context. Okay. Jesus multiplies the food, fed the 5,000, and he does something very strategic. He gets his disciples and pieces out. He leaves immediately. Scripture says immediately. Now, many people are like, why would you do that? Right? Don't you want the praise? Don't you want the glory from doing all that stuff? No, I truly believe Jesus understood that one, it was the Father working in him. And so what does he do? He goes away. Scripture says that he goes on top of a mountain to be alone with the Father. I truly believe he wanted to give God the glory. But also, Scripture says that they were seeking him because they wanted to make him the earthly king. How many of you guys know, yeah, earthly king sounds awesome, but Jesus didn't come to rule just on this earth. He came to rule for all eternity. So they're looking for him. They sought after him. And Jesus answered them and said, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. I thought this was very interesting. Hey, Jesus, when did you get here? And he didn't answer the question. He didn't be like, oh, I got here at 2 o'clock, dog. Like he just, he didn't say, this is when. He answers them with a different answer. Why? Jesus knew the motive of their heart. He knew their motives. Like, hey, when did you get here? And he goes, hey, you're only seeking me because I filled your stomach. Basically, he's asking, hey, do you really want me or just the things I can do for you? Do you really want, are you really hungering for me or just because I filled your stomach? Church, how often do we do this? That our relationship with God is dictated by his response to us. And how he answers our prayers. And if that's the case, I have a question that we all need to wrestle with. I wrestle with this. But the question is, is Jesus your Lord or just your meal ticket? Is Jesus your everything or just a means to an end? Is he your father, your God, or are you just using him as a way to get into heaven? Because we fear an eternal hell. Do you truly after him or only the reward of knowing him? Verse 27 says, do not labor for food which perishes, but the food which endures to everlasting life. He redirects them like, hey, you might have been filled, but I want to give eternal life. Which the son of man will give you because the father has set his seal on him. Therefore, they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Pause. Hold up. Okay. He feeds a 5,000 people. They see that miraculous happen. All this stuff happens. They seek after him. And he's like, yo, I'm about to, I'm about to you know, give you guys everlasting life. And then they ask this again. 
oh, I don't know what that was. <laughs> he, they asked this again. Well, what sign will you do then so that we can believe? You notice they kept seeking another sign? Another sign. They were really dictated by the earthly miracle, not the eternal one. Like if I were to give this context for us today in 2024, let me give you context. I truly believe if, I, if we had a sign, say you were driving uh, maybe down the road, maybe you're driving on 1604, which I heard the traffic was bad because I did. And on the side of the road, you saw this sign. What will it do for you? <laughs> Praise God, right? Free food. And you just drive and you're like, whoa, what is that? Like it will catch your attention. Some of us, like we will pull over. It doesn't matter that we got to be to work in five minutes. We're just like, ah, my boss would understand, right? Like you tell your boss, hey, I was coming into work. I was a bit on time. There were free food. And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 I got you. I would have done the same thing, you know. But if, if there was a sign for free food, people might interrupt their day, interrupt their agenda. Maybe even you, you, you pull up, there's a long line. And you're like, ah, oh, long line. Someone says, hey, it's going to be an hour before you get the free food. And you're like, you know what? Free food is worth it. I <laughs> just, I'll wait in line. You don't even know what kind of food they're serving. You're just like, I'm just here for the free food. You don't even know if it's quality. It's just like, as soon as you eat it, like, ah, not that good. But it was free, right? Just. And so I truly believe in our culture, we would have a long line for a sign that said free food, that you can get whatever you want. I think we would wait, we'd interrupt our day. And I fear, though, that this sign, if we were compared to it, would not get as much attention. Our fear in our culture, if we had two signs that said, hey, you can get free food, that line would be incredibly long. But hey, got eternal life, which you are struggling with, and God can fulfill and rescue and change. But in our culture, this would take precedence. Why? Because we've substituted the temporary instead of the eternal. So this is what happens in the next few verses. It says this. Our fathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. Just recap. Hey, we're seeking you, Jesus. You fed us once. What sign? He's like, no, 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 no. You're, you're seeking the sign. He goes, well, they, and they say, well, we know that in the 40 days or 40 years of uh, the wilderness that Moses fed us. And Jesus says, uh-uh. Moses didn't feed you. God fed you. God provided. Yeah, he used Moses, but God provided. And let that be a check to anyone in here. That we don't miscredit, misdirect 
who really gets the glory. That God can move through your life and do signs and miracles. But if it never takes you to the destination of Jesus, then you've misdirected the glory. That would be like a few weeks ago, I, um, I went to Curveville and I was coming back from Curveville and I'm driving back on I-10 and there were big signs, the big green signs that say San Antonio, 50 miles, San Antonio, 25 miles, right? And we know those are just signs and they point to a destination. It gets you to your destination. Y'all would think I was a crazy person. If I got out of my car on the side of the highway to that sign that says San Antonio, 25 miles, and I took a photo, posted on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, and I captioned it and said, I'm home. Like, like you guys were like, if I just did that picture and I was like, look, the sign says 25 miles, but I made it. Somebody like, uh, no, keep going. I don't see your house. I don't see your family. Well, it's the same way as it relates to our walk with Jesus. That the signs that God does in your life are just that. They're signs. They're great. But it's meant to point you back to the person of Christ. Like if he does a miracle in your life, praise God. But the miracle should point you back to Jesus. I'm only saying this because we live in a culture that seek signs and miracles and not the Father himself. We seek the healing. We seek the financial blessing and not God himself. Which in this very same story, and if you look at Matthew right before it, the same story, Jesus says to them that the evil and adulterous generation demand signs. So verse 33 says this, for the bread of life is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. I love the appetite shift. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Let me say that again. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. Here's the truth that I want everyone to know in this. Whether you've been a follower of Jesus your whole life and you need to be reminded. Or maybe you're in this room and you're feeling empty and lost. The truth of the matter is this, that Jesus is the only one that can fulfill your hunger. Jesus is the only one that can fulfill your hunger. Everything else will leave you empty. Everything else will leave you not satisfied. Everything else can't fulfill the presence of God in your life. Now, as I've studied fasting, I understand that biblically it's always been tied to food. However, in our culture, I understand there have been things that have robbed you and distracted you from your hunger for the Lord that need to be sacrificed and abstained. My concern is this, as a pastor here at this church, my concern is that, that many will fast 
Many will sacrifice, but only substitute it with something else other than God. That you can give up something, but fill it with something else other than God. And if I can just be as real as possible with you, that's not fasting. That's you finding a new idol. Something to put and elevate above Jesus. And so my prayer is whatever that you are giving up during this time or as you make it a lifestyle, that you substitute it with time with the Father, time with Him. Hunger drives you in the direction of your appetite. So what are you hungry for? What's your appetite? 